Welcome to the Illuminating Mycelium Podcast. The podcast for everyday people by everyday people. I'm your host, Project Dave, and I'm back at it again to continue highlighting and amplifying the lives, ventures, and endeavors of everyday people just like you and me and learning from them along the way. Titled Change and Management with David Lowe Sr., so today I'll be interviewing David. He's a local family man and a longtime resident of Brooklyn Center who's actively involved in his church and somehow still manages to oversee operations for two different Culver's. More specifically, he has been a resident of Brooklyn Center for over 20 years, a member of his church for that same period of time, has, and has served in multiple leadership positions and committees there, has two grandchildren and an extensive family network, and is operations coordinator for both the Culver's in Plymouth and Monticello. Without further ado, here comes David Sr. When talking about everyday people and their stories, we can't help but talk about all their hard work. So grab a cup of coffee. I often think about what fuels a lot of these everyday folks, as well as what sustains me personally. Coffee certainly helps, but it can't just be any coffee. It's gotta be coffee made by everyday people for everyday people. The kind that when you brew it in a pot, it kind of just draws everyone to the kitchen and they're sniffing that aroma. Our beans are sourced from small businesses in the heart of the Appalachia. My personal favorite, the Route 39 blend from Lexington Roasters is a Forbes top ranked coffee. You can also check the notes on each blend to determine flavor profiles, shipping, and more. Beans are roasted on a weekly basis to ensure freshness. So if you're looking for some extra fuel to aid you in your everyday lives, ventures, and endeavors, go to thegrindbluefield.com backslash shop dash coffee dash roast or click the link in the description to pick out your next coffee beans and brew a pot of happiness. The grind never stops. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for coming on the podcast to tell us more about yourself and what you're currently doing. It's my pleasure to do that. Thank you. So first question is in regards to your background. What was it like growing up in different parts of the Midwest and kind of bouncing around from state to state, city to city? Well, you know, it's being in the Midwest, um, it's pretty much, you know, dwindled down to, you know, Wisconsin, um, Iowa, and then obviously, you know, here in Minnesota. So, you know, living in three cities, or three states, I'm sorry, is I think is, you know, decent. You know, I haven't lived anywhere else, although my other siblings have come from like the state of Washington when they were, you know, they're much older than me. But uh, yeah. Did you have a particular location that you like best? I would have to say probably uh, between Janesville, Wisconsin, and in um, La Crescent, Minnesota, which is where I met my wife. Yeah, I was just going to say maybe La Crescent was one of your favorites, wink, wink. (laughs) Yeah, because La Crescent is obviously a small town. It gives you that hometown feel that, you know, you know a lot of people and they know you. And didn't you mention a while back that you were actually at one point going to open like a bed and breakfast? I, I, or you were thinking about yep, it? Yeah, I was there, thinking yeah. about that. I thought it would be nice just because it gives the hometown feeling. You can get involved with your community. Um, and it's just, you know, a small type business in a small town just seemed like, you know, that would be a great opportunity. To Maybe do. that'll be a good retirement venture one day. It very well could be, David. <laughs> we'll have to see. Yes. All right. Well, now you're in Minnesota and obviously in the Twin Cities in particular. Do you feel like you made the right decision settling down here? 
Yep, I believe so. I mean, um, I've made you know a lot of friends. I you know made a lot of friends um, at church. Um, enjoy where I'm working at. Um, so I've been pretty happy where I'm at here. It's a bigger city compared to a small town, so I've adjusted to this you know over the last several years. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of opportunities here in the cities. There is. There is a you know a lot more things to do. Um, stuff for the grandchildren to do. <laughs> yep, that is correct. That is correct. <laughs> All right. So last question about your background, because I like asking those who have come before me different sure. his- history questions. So do you remember how you felt when you first heard about Reagan's attempted murder back in the 80s? Like maybe you don't know what you were doing, but do you remember what you felt when you were told that it happened? Were you scared? Were you sad and angry? Yeah, I would say probably sad, sad more than anything because again, you know, I would have been just you know my early twenties. Um, so, so my age almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, almost your age. But yeah, I do remember hearing about it, but not much more than that. But I think at the time that I heard about it, and I don't remember where it's exactly at. But I just remember like, oh, that was you know really sad odd. That somebody yeah. I tried doing that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, moving on now. So. You've lived in Brooklyn Center for a while now. How many years is it now? So we moved here in 97, so we're going on 23 years. Wow, that's a long time. Do you do you enjoy living here? Um, I do. In the particular area that I'm in, yes, I enjoy it. Uh, I've got to know a lot of my neighbors and uh, you know, kind of help get involved in the community as well. And what do you like most about Brooklyn Center? It's not too big. It's not too small. Um, kind of the perfect size perfect size you know yeah. for getting getting up and around and finding and they still have a too. decent amount of community events i mean obviously with covid a little bit less but right, you know. right. yeah there's different events that you you could do and, and so forth community uh, concerts and stuff like that you know pre-covid 19 right so what is something that you'd want ordinary people to know about brooklyn center who aren't from here i would say the biggest thing is you know um it's Seems to be, you know, a, a very good town to live in. It's uh, uh, has a lot of diversity, which is uh, good. Um, I enjoy that, um, you know, and just seeing all sorts of people and, and helping where I can help those people in the town, in the city of Brooklyn Center. For sure. Okay. Last question about Brooklyn Center. If there was one thing that the city could do better as a whole, what would it be? That's a tough question. Without getting like super political like oh don't raise property taxes or whatever but <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of a tough question um just because you know i haven't had any too many issues with you know living here i guess that's a good on, thing so to have to not have issues and yeah, not to have issues <laughs> yeah i i really can't answer that david okay because again i i enjoy well i guess it's a good thing like issue. we said that you can't answer it because sure you know some cities you might have a whole list of things you could right. spew off yeah. but nope. all right well that's it's good i'm glad you like it here so next topic we have is uh, management. So you've obviously have a ton of experience in restaurant management. Um, currently, your is it operations director of operations. director of operations. So you oversee two different culvers. Yes. Correct. Can you tell us more about what your role entails? So my role entails. Um, I have um, in charge of two restaurants. So I have one in Plymouth on Quinwood and I have another one up in Monticello. So, um, I oversee both those restaurants for the owners. So I have two GMs in there. So my job is obviously to make sure that the businesses are running and they're, um, following Culver standards and that. And so that's where I, um, 
go in and help them out where I need to and give direction and guidance. And you still manage to have fun every day. I do. <laughs> yep. it's, uh, there's a quote that my boss always says, well, you don't c- come to work, you come to fun. <laughs> I like that. That's a good quote. And another, another quote that I have that I've heard is, if you, co- if you enjoy your work... You never work a day in your life. You never work a day in your life. Yeah, Correct. I know what you're talking yep. about. That's another good quote. All right. So a lot of people would say that it's hard enough just to oversee one restaurant. So how do you manage to oversee two restaurants at that? Well, I try and split my time between the two restaurants, you know, with the years of experience that I have. And um, I'm sure we'll go back and down to it further. But, uh, you know, I have over 40 years of restaurant experience. So running, you know, two two restaurants, running one um, was good and, and tough in the beginning, but then I got used to it. And so um, running two, I think you just have to manage your time, you know, even be good at delegating too, being able to trust the managers that you have in Correct. charge below yep. you. Okay. Correct. All right. Well, you had just mentioned, like you said, so you've been in the restaurant industry for 40 years. So you've seen a lot of changes come through this industry. What are some of the biggest changes that you've observed personally? I would say technology is the biggest thing. Um, So technology, um, you know, whether it's computers, whether it's, you know, I remember years ago when you used to ring up orders, you had to figure out the change yourself and everything um, compared to nowadays, you know, You'll push in, you know, how much the what you're giving to the to the guest, or what the guests are giving you, and, and you it tells you what the change is. But um, you know, years ago you had to figure that out. Yourself. Yeah, you had to do that all in your head yeah. ahead of time. Yeah. And, and, then, <laughs> yeah. and in my previous, you know, um, restaurant experience with like Taco Bell, I remember we used to have to uh, rake what we call rake the beef, you know, cook the beef and so forth by hand. But now the oh, yeah. a lot of stuff comes pre-made and. All like tomatoes, tomatoes, onion cutters, stuff like that. Yep. Okay. All right, cool. So I know you just mentioned technology. So what role do you see technology playing going forward? Do you foresee even more changes to come in the restaurant industry on that? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, You know, maybe robotic things. Yeah, I actually just saw an ad the other day for this. Like, it's literally just a robotic arm. And it's funny because it's just literally the arm just flips the burgers all day long or Puts the fry racks in the... Yeah, I've seen that at McDonald's <laughs> before where it has the robot where the arm drops the yeah. fries into the fryer and it lifts up when the timer's up. Right. So what are some things that haven't changed? What are some things that have stayed the same? I would say, you know, the human interaction with, with the guest. That you, taking uh, care of the taking guest. Care, taking care of the guest, yep. The same hospitality. You can't replace that with robots. Right. Especially not with their voices. Some of them sound kind of creepy. <laughs> that is, yep. <laughs> All right. So some changes have been positive. Some haven't. What is one thing that you continue to enjoy about managing restaurants? Man, I enjoy working with people. People is, you know, one of my big strengths that I have, um, you know, working with, working with people and just know, getting to know people and so forth. So, um, especially the youth, I know you've had a lot of mentors yep, yep. over the years too. Yeah. I always think of it as, you know, and that's why I think I enjoy the restaurant industry because um, it's particularly, you know, the quick serve restaurants, because then there's a lot of kids who don't have that adult guidance necessarily. And so, so I feel like part of me is part of my job is, is molding their minds and, and, you know, showing them that there are people that are out there that care about them and can help them in ways that maybe some parents aren't doing that. Yeah. Well, it's good that you're able to step in in that way. Mm-hmm. Speaking about Culver's specifically, um, what made you choose Culver's and 
what makes you stick and stay around at Culver's. Yep. So why I chose Culver's was um, my previous. You're listening to the Illuminating Mycelium Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, you should come check out all of our fresh new merchandise and apparel that just dropped on our store. We've got t-shirts, pants, sweatshirts, hats, phone cases, water bottles, coffee mugs, shoot, even blankies, and a ton more. All made with comfy fabrics and premium materials. They feature our signature logos, catchphrases, guest picks, and come in all sizes. Now shipping nationwide right to your doorstep. Just go to illuminatingmyceliumpodcast.com or click the link in the description to pick out your next gear and become the mycelium. Uh, restaurant experience. I was working, um, you know, till maybe two or three in the morning or as a GM, you know, I'd work during the days, but then you'd get calls at, you know, 12, one o'clock at night that there were issues. And so you had to go down and take care of them or you had to take care of them over the phone. And, and then I found an opportunity to come um, look at Culver's and I looked at Culver's and they had the right hours I was looking for. Um, they didn't serve breakfast. And so um, you didn't have to be there early for that. And then they closed at 10 o'clock. And so you would be out by you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And that was a reasonable um, time period. So that's why right. And why I work, keep working for Culver's is because um, I have a wonderful owner who um, enjoys his job and uh, rewards uh, us um very well and so um gives us a chance to do things ourselves make our own decisions learn from our own mistakes for sure i think you almost ended up at the brooklyn center culvers at first too so that was kind of an interesting yeah they when i was looking they were just building the brooklyn center culvers or they were about halfway through and i asked if they were uh you know looking for management um they said they already had their leadership um, so they said they knew of an opening and um, that they're looking for a GM in uh, Plymouth, Minnesota. And that's where I've met. Well, uh, I bet they regret their decision now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And so then I, I got interviewed there a couple of times and then came on board and then I uh, just moved on up. For sure. Well, and you've built up the franchise there quite a bit. But um, mm-hmm. OK, so talking about labor now specifically. So, again, we were saying that there's a lot of changes coming to the restaurant industry and so the labor market is reflecting that it's looking a lot different people are looking at this line of work a lot differently so what advice would you have for someone who's just starting out as a new manager or wanting to pursue it as their career yeah and, and there's there's a lot there's a lots of opportunities um for growth um in the restaurant whether it's a fr- corporate restaurant or whether it's a franchisee, because again, a lot of the franchisees, they open up additional restaurants and so forth. So there's a lot of opportunities to get a lot of benefits, earn a lot of money and advance yourself. yourself. Uh, Correct. Awesome. All right. This is kind of a generic question, but what's it been like working in the restaurant industry, particularly during the time of COVID during a pandemic? (laughs) That has definitely been different. Um, Yeah. You know, we've, we've uh, closed the restaurant a couple of times now because of, you know, the governor's mandates and so forth. And so, you know, managing it that way. um, Getting used to mobile orders. I know you were just saying the other day that you've been seeing more curbside pickup orders, which you guys just kind of debuted recently. That's part of technology too. So yeah. um, Yeah. Just, you just have to kind of adapt to things. And um, I pretty much learned quick learned quickly to adapt to um changes you know and 
particular with COVID and so forth. Well, I think that's why it's important to have experienced leaders during times like this, because obviously they're pretty challenging and you have to keep learning on the go. And the quicker you're able to, the more better you're able to compete too. So it comes with experience. All right, cool. All right. So one last thing that I have in regards to restaurants, if you could only eat one Culver's item for the rest of your life, you had to, which item would it be? That's a tough question. So um, <laughs> I've always enjoyed the pork tenderloin. I always doctor it up, you know, because normally it just comes plain, but you can put whatever on it. So I kind of doctor up with cheese and lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise, and so forth. That sounds so good. Maybe <laughs> one. And then um, if it were custard, if the only t- custard I could eat would be brownie batter overload. I love <laughs> brownie batter. I always put extra topping on mine when I <laughs> come stop in for a flavor of the day. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> All right. So next topic we have is just a little bit on the history of the financial market and things like that. So I know that you're not a financial planner, but I mean, you do pretty good for yourself and you've always taught your kids and your mentees to, you know, take care of their bills, be independent, all that kind of stuff. If you were able to do it all over again, what would be, what advice would you give or what would you do differently? I would say start young. You know, don't don't wait because um, the longer you wait, the harder it is to save money to uh, live a uh, rewarding life, you know, after you retire. Right. Start young. Okay, that makes sense. So finances are kind of just like everything else. You know, there's always change coming. So mm-hmm. personally, in your lifetime, what's been like the biggest change that's like impacted you financially wise? I would say after you kids left the house, yeah, <laughs> then, you know, we, instead of spending money on the kids, you know, you start thinking about your future and saving for retirements and so forth and investing. And, and so that's what I would say um, is, you know, is, you know, I'm starting to see the rewards, um, you know, starting to invest better. And, so start, and early, start early, prepare early yep. and then reap yep. the rewards. Correct. All right, cool. All right. So next topic. Um, I know you do a lot of, maybe not so much just these days with COVID, but I know that you do a lot of volunteer work. You help out at your church and stuff like that. So I wanted to get your perspective on those things and ask you a few things about that. Sure. So you're very actively involved in your church's operations. You've been on a lot of key committees and you've held leadership positions and roles on those committees. Including president. (laughs) Yep. So what have you learned from holding those positions and what, what do you think you've learned in terms of what constitutes effective leadership? Well, and again, I think part of it has to come with, you know, um, experience, but um, again, I think you have to know to be able to work with different types of people, Um, even in a, you know, church setting, you know, there, there's some people who may disagree with you on things and there's going to be a lot of people who agree with you with things. I enjoy helping others and, whether it's through leadership, whether it's through programs and so forth. So um, we've started like the uh, Metro Paintathon that, you know, we, we've kind of backed away from because of COVID and just some other things that happened. But, you know, just coming up even with your own programs, um, getting volunteers to help you out. I think that's rewarding to help out. Awesome. So you talked a lot about some of the programs that you created. So it's it seems like you've used your influence on these committees in a good way to affect positive change within the community. I know specifically homelessness is a pretty big issue for you. So I wanted to ask you because I know that you've never experienced it personally. So why is the issue of homelessness important to you despite not having experienced it firsthand? 
Well, I've I've been on I've been on two mission trips, one in Chicago and then um, one out east in New York. Even before that, I just had a compassion for people who were homeless. And so when I went to New York um, and just saw the reality of homelessness, whether you know it's somebody sleeping in the wells where the heat is by the building, whether it's looking at you know seeing the people in line with the soup kitchen and so forth. So um, plus we, you know I volunteered at Mary's place in Minneapolis, you know feeding the homeless there and that. And so you just have a compassion for helping people. Well, I know one thing. I remember this was many years ago. You had mentioned back when we had the recession in 2008 is that I feel like you realized that being homelessness isn't or sorry, being homeless can happen to anyone because of the way that the economy is with jobs. It can happen to the best of people and not just, you know, the worst of people or whatever you want to call it's it. A, yep. And it can happen just in a matter of time with the snap of a finger, you know, you could get hurt or get in a car accident. Right. Uh, not work and 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 so you could become homeless that way so just there's lots of different ways and and so where i feel my many gift, reasons to support it many reasons to support to it them. and i feel that's my gift i was given was to uh help people awesome i like that all right so last topic that i have is uh family because i know that's another thing that you hold pretty near and dear to your heart <laughs> yeah so why is family important to you personally I think part of it is because of the family that I grew up in. Um, so I come from a family of eight with two parents. Um, my parents just were recently celebrated their 70th anniversary. Um, so That's a long time. It's a long time for someone. them to be together, for people to be together. <laughs> so you don't see that very often. But I think, you know, the family just, you know, you know, growing up and, and spending time with your siblings and so forth. And yeah, we always didn't see eye to eye, but I think, you look at their overall picture and you look at the memories that have been created as a family, um, you know, whether it's through celebrations, whether it's through, um, you know, issues that happen that you want to help them and, and so forth. And so I just carried that on into my family when Rita and I got married and started um, having you two, you and Alicia. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for sharing that with us. If you could only give, or if you could give folks only one piece of advice to improve their family life, what would it be? Well, if it's only one. <laughs> I guess we could do a couple if you want. I would just say, listen. That's one big thing. Listen to what, you know, your children are saying and just caring and respecting um, each other and, and listening to each other. It's, I guess that's a big, listening, I guess, would be the biggest one is okay. listening. I like that. I think... A lot of people can learn from that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I, that's all the questions that I had. Was there anything else that you wanted to say to our listeners before we depart? No, it was. I enjoyed doing enjoyed doing this. And um, again, we look forward to Christmas and uh, celebrating. However, we're going to celebrate this year because it's going to be different than other years. But again, we have to. <laughs> we're going to have to help our aunts and uncles with the Zoom calls. Lots <laughs> of Zoom calls, and uh, we have to realize this this won't last forever, and that will be back together again celebrating with family and loved ones so thank you for the time to uh interview me david yeah thanks for coming on the podcast you bet all right take care thank you thank you for tuning in today we hope you enjoyed the show and had fun while learning more from everyday people just like yourselves to support us and help us spread these stories even further please consider giving us a review or rating on whichever platform you're streaming from there will be links in the description box just in case you can't find it. 
And for more news and all things everyday people, join our newsletter by going to our website. By joining, you'll also gain exclusive offers and discounts on Illuminating Mycelium merchandise and apparel from our store. Just go to IlluminatingMyceliumPodcast.com or click the link in the description and become the Mycelium.